Every day we take our lives into our own hands when we consume vitamins and supplements. By not knowing the right ones to take or when, we could be doing a disservice to our health, or even worse, could be endangering it. Welcome to your Daily Dose with Doreen Doucette. Now you have a resource to help you use supplements, vitamins, and natural health more safely and effectively. Here is your host, Doreen Doucette. Good morning and welcome to your Daily Dose. Today I have a very special guest who is going to provide us with beneficial information on holistic nutrition. Now this is going to assist us in making informed choices of what and how to eat to get the required amount of our daily recommended nutrients. And this is going to give us the the opportunity to not rely on supplements. Now, joining me today is Chef Kevin Wagner, a registered nutritional consulting practitioner and owner of Eating with Wisdom, Nutritional Consulting and Personal Chef Services in Bear River, Nova Scotia. Kevin is well known throughout southwestern Nova Scotia for his exemplary food service And after many years of following his own journey of natural healing, he now shares his extensive knowledge of nutritional, of holistic nutrition and healthy food preparation to help those of us on our own path to personal wellness. Good morning, Kevin, and welcome to the show. Morning, Doreen. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Kevin, can you give us a bit of history about yourself and why you chose to become an RNCP? Sure. Well, I grew up in the uh, restaurant business. Mom and Dad owned a restaurant and uh, basically cut my teeth in there when I was about 12, 13 years old. Started working on the line, so food has always been part of my life. Um, and uh, and was a chef for many years. Ran my own catering service uh, from 2002 right into 2012, and uh, and run lots of restaurants and hotels and and other smaller places. Um, but I had a diagnosis in 2006 of uh, incurable uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and so that really gives you a wake-up call. And so that's when I started on my road for uh, natural healing. And, of course, I, uh, you can do one of two things when you get the diagnosis. You can either depend on uh, allopathic medicine and go that route, or you can look at everything natural. And so I chose to uh, look at everything that was holistic and natural and, uh, and non-medical, non-chemical. And for the past 13 years, I've uh, looked after my, my cancer as a, a condition or a condition of deficiency is the way I look at it. And so uh, I, I basically scrounged and, and found all the information I could on natural healing and, and ran out of Raymond's uh, uh, accessible uh, material and, and trained to become a, a registered uh, holistic nutritionist uh, a few years ago and then started my business, uh, Eating with Wisdom, back in 2017. And so now, uh, like you mentioned, I can now share my both my knowledge, uh, research, and my personal experiences uh, with all my clients, whether that be just holistic nutrition itself or how to how to take the food and put it together into recipes and even you know walk into their kitchen and do personal cooking lessons from my experience as a uh, catering and cooking instructor too. So this is this is quite a unique business in this part of the province, I'm sure. So. Absolutely. So you actually do house calls? 
Oh, I do host calls. Yeah, that's the way I work is through through host calls and one on one for the most part. Uh, there's no place that anybody's more comfortable to learn, I find, than in their own house. And then if they do have questions on certain things that they bought, uh, whether it be supplement, food, oils, and wonder if they're good, I don't have to have them bring a list. We can actually grab the product and I can I can address that there. So it's a real win win for everybody, and uh, it's just a personal way to do business, which is the way I've always done business. Mm-hmm. So when you have a client or you go to their home or they come to you and they want to consult, um, if they're new to this, um, they've never done this before, where do you, which, which direction do you put them in to start? Well, first of all, I congratulate them on looking after themselves because people are conditioned to go to the doctor for every little thing. And that doesn't work anymore. Um, not that it ever did. And so the first thing I do is pat him on the back and congratulate him for for actually taking the step in the right direction to look after himself. Um, And then a lot of them have questions, of course, and they've heard this on Google or on TV, and they've they've seen Dr. Oz or they've seen somebody say something. They have all kinds of questions. So first of all, I address some of their questions, but to dig down in, I, I always have an assessment form that I give them, which which will outline, get them to outline for me why they want to do what they want to do, what they're looking for. Do they want to lose weight? Do they want to address a chronic condition, whether it's arthritis or IBS or di- dietary problems? Uh, you know, any medical history, I need to know all these things, too, to, to base my direction on. And I always get them to do a three- or four-day dietary assessment to see and get actual data on what they do eat on a daily basis. Then I can tear that apart. I've got a a computer and analyzation program, and I can pull their diet apart and see if they're lacking or over in some things. And then I can address that and and make some some changes uh, and provide meal plans and and help and mentoring more so than just information. Uh, I have clients that are long term that that need help uh, as as they move along their path. Some some get it in a hurry. Some really need a lot of help depending on the state they're in. And so uh, it depends on it's, it's client uh, based. So it depends on what that client needs and how comfortable they are taking the information I give and, and running with it or if I need to hold their hand a bit. Sometimes okay. I need to. Okay. Yeah. Understandable. So when you are starting people off, is there a specific way that you start them off? For instance, um, do you do you take people off of carbs? Do you take them off of grains? Do you get them to detox or to do any type of cleanse when they're first starting this? Not so much a cleanse per se, but uh, carbs are highly addictive. And most people, uh, 95 plus percent of people, eat way too many carbs. The clients I see are heavily carb-based for the most part. Um, their health issues are driven by a lot of carbs, refined sugars, and uh, and they avoid uh, fats like they've been they've been taught to. But I I firmly believe in a, in a higher fat, low carb diet. So for for most people that works. Uh, and so I, I look at that, and I provide meal plans and and recipes and and to get them started on the, on a low carb, a higher fat plan. And uh, sometimes it's a it's a one eighty. For most people, it is because they are they are trained and conditioned over all these years to uh, to live on a carb based diet, and uh, the, the mainstream uh, advice is to live on a forty to sixty percent carb based diet, and that simply doesn't work 
because we, we have a lot of chronic conditions, uh, diseases, uh, chronic inflammation driven that are, are being proven over and over and again to be carb, uh, sugar based, uh, not fat based. And so I, I move them over towards a, towards a uh, low carb diet because that's just what simply works for most people. When you when you're going to the higher fat and lower carb, are you for the keto based diet that's that's uh, quite popular right now? Well, it is popular. Um, I look at keto as a transition. Uh, I look at keto as more of a cleanse. Uh, it is supposed to it's a big buzzword. Keto diets has been for a few years, um, but. Keto in and of itself, I don't see it long term. There's a few reasons for that. It's it's great for a carb cleanse and breaking addiction. I mean, if you look at if you look at brain scans of people that are on uh, on cocaine uh, and, and on sugar, and you look at those brain scans, they're nearly identical uh, under a scan. However, it's easier to get off cocaine because you don't find it everywhere. And sugar and carbs are simply everywhere. So, and they do create addictions. Anybody that tries to just drop sugar. Uh, your body's going to fight you all the way for the first week or two. And so keto is great to, to, to break that addiction and, and use it as a short term, whether it's two, three weeks, four weeks. But then I like to see that as a transition. Keto is hard to follow on the long term because it's 70 plus percent fat to be in ketosis. And ketosis means that your body switches over from burning glucose and sugar and carbs as a main fuel source burning fats. That's what ketosis means, which is the basis of a keto diet. And so in order to get your body into a full ketosis state, you have to eat 70 plus percent fat and less than 10 percent carbs. It's really hard to do that. Uh, The ratios of the diet that I recommend are more around 20 percent carbs. And these these have to be a complex carb, not just simple sugars. Uh, they have to be a complex carb that break down slowly. Uh, a good solid protein and the fats in the 50-55% range. Now, a keto diet fits, or a keto foods that rather fit into this low-carb, high-fat diet. And you can use a lot of other foods too, so you get a lot more flexibility uh, sustainability and, and more flexibility in your plan so you can use it as a full lifestyle plan that will run you the rest of your life whereas keto you're probably going to go on and off it um, as a cycle and a lot of people don't do keto properly they, they'll eat a lot of meat they'll eat a lot of cheese and fats and dairy and cream but they don't eat their vegetables and they think the vegetables are all carbs which they generally are Continue to avoid your starchy carbs, and so they don't eat enough fiber, and they wind up with a lot of digestive issues, and they just stop doing keto, and they wind back on their regular diet, which is probably a high-carb diet because keto didn't work. Uh, keto didn't work because they didn't do it properly. So uh, I look at keto and a story as the transition between a high-carb diet, a cleansing process, and then to, to be a sustainable uh, lifelong plan of a low-carb, higher-fat diet. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that um, you you would prefer people to be having some complex carbs. Can you define that for us, please? Well, simple sugars um, and even even honey and, uh, and maple syrup, even though they're natural, are quite simple. In other words, they break down really, really quickly. Um, but if you look at you look at beans, which are a high carb, but there's a lot of fiber there as well. So in order for it not to be what I call a simple carb, uh, it has to be something that takes its time through your bloodstream. A simple carb 
Uh, it's about 30 minutes in processing, and it's almost in your bloodstream in half an hour. So a sugar spike for a diabetic, for instance. Uh, so a complex carb has the fiber to slow down the absorption in the bloodstream which keeps your insulin levels at a more stable level uh, so it doesn't spike your sugars and the fiber is there to digest and also within beans and other things there's a lot more nutrients uh, phytonutrients than just the carb sugars themselves they still do they still are a carb but they're complex as opposed to simple okay thank you um, how important is it when you're starting to to switch over um, how important is it when you eat? Well, I almost believe in what they call a, a warrior diet, which means you eat smaller meals uh, throughout the day as opposed to like a three meal. I would sooner see people eat uh, smaller meals five or six times a day or at least have, have a breakfast that's not super heavy, uh, maybe something around 11 o'clock or 10, 30, 11, uh, but they need to be, need to be nutrient-dense and not calorie-dense. Uh, and then, then a decent lunch, maybe mid-afternoon, have something else that's, uh, you know, fruit, cheese, uh, nuts, those things that are really good for, for nutrients as opposed to just a, a quick snack bar or something like that. Uh, a decent supper, not too heavy. I try myself not to eat much after 7, 8 o'clock, which is a good idea. Uh, so smaller meals deliver more constant levels uh, of nutrients. That, that's all nutrients, all your macros, whether it's your, your carbs, your proteins, your fats. And so to have a steady fuel supply uh, is better for your insulin levels and blood sugar levels than having these bigger meals that your body has to deal with uh, digestively and hormonally with insulin. And to keep your insulin levels on a more even level uh, than these spikes and sugar spikes that you get from having a heavy meal or a high-carb meal. So what you eat... Uh, is important, but I'd sooner see the fuel the fuel supply be more constant than having like three big meals. Uh, and then eating after after supper is something that's well, this time of year, especially being dark, uh, we all crawl in our caves in the evening and it gets dark. And so snacking is always a problem this time of year. So to keep that under control is really good because at nighttime your body should stop and rest. And a lot of people are digesting overnight because they, they have their storm chips, they have their snacks in front of the TV, and they're, they're eating until they go to bed. And then your body is not resting at that point. Your body is still working at that point uh, because it's going through digestion. And you may not realize it, but your body is working. And in order for your body to stop, restore, and actually heal itself, it needs to fully stop. In other words, it shouldn't be even digesting at night. So you can not eat after 7 o'clock, maybe 8 o'clock, and, and then when you go to bed, your body can actually do the things it needs to do and repair things, and, and you get a full, good rest. And that's a big part of, a big part of, of my four-pillar uh, nutritional uh, plan that I recommend. It's not just nutrition, although it's, a, the, not, it's the elephant in the room. Right. So, Kevin, we have to take a little break right now. Um, so on the other side, I've got some more questions for you, and hopefully everybody will come back to hear us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Visit Doreen's website at dmurphydoucette.com and click the radio tab to purchase your supplement and dosha questionnaire. It will allow you to know your body dosha and what supplements, vitamins, and minerals your body requires at any given time. You'll receive a report by email that gives you all of the required information. You'll learn which foods give you your required supplements, and you have the option to purchase your report in printed book form and have it mailed directly to you. Visit dmurphydoucette.com today. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to your daily dose. If you have a question for Doreen Doucette or her guest today, feel free to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to DoreensDailyDose at gmail.com. Now, back to your daily dose. Okay, welcome back, Kevin. Before we went to break, you were saying that you really prefer that people have smaller meals more frequently throughout the day. Intermittent fasting is something that I'm hearing a lot of now, and I I have met a lot of people who prefer to do the intermittent fasting. Is there there benefits to doing that or no benefits to doing that? Oh, absolutely, and it's sort of goes back to what I was talking about before the break, uh, about trying not to eat after 7 or 8 o'clock, and then picking that back up at, say, 7 or 8 o'clock the next morning. What you're doing in that place of 12 hours is an intermittent fast. It doesn't seem like it's any big thing because it's really not, but your body has 12 hours to empty the digestive system, uh, reset things. Now, intermittent fasting can be extended. I mean, you can do, you know, a full 16, 18, 24-hour fast. You can do a two- or three-day fast. I mean, it gets pretty intense at that point. You're not, you're not not eating anything. You're having, you're having juices. You're having you know, some light smoothies. You're having some bone broths. Um, but it's pretty minimal. And that's, that's pretty intense. Sometimes you need to do a, a digestive reset. And some, that's, sometimes that's, that's what you need to do as a longer fast. But really, quite simply, is if you just don't eat for 12 hours, 16 hours, if you, can, if you can put it off until noon the next day, you've done a fast. And your body does tend to uh, clean itself up, do a slight detox, do a cleanse. And the starvation process, we don't get to a starvation process, but in a, in a longer fast, 
you get into almost a starvation mode and things become crystal clear. Your, your mental processes clear up. Uh, your, your eyesight will start to sharpen up because you're going back to your, your animal self, your hunter-gatherer self when you do a fast. And you get into a semi-starvation mode, and if you're in the hunter-gatherer days and look back at it that way, you could almost put yourself in, in their shoes or without shoes. But if they're really hungry and haven't eaten for three or four days and they're hunting, they have to be sharp. And your body becomes that. And so during a longer fast, you become you become a little a little leaner, a little sharper, a little clearer. So uh, even even brain fog and things like that clear up uh, with a longer fast. So it does have some benefits. I just uh, I just don't know if most people need to do a long fast, but sometimes they do. But that's what an intermittent fast is. It can be intermittent, short, 12 to 16 hours, or a little longer than that. So there's a lot to it. Okay. I, I've met some people who are, when they get up in the morning, they'll have their breakfast, but then they won't have anything again during the day until dinner time, which would be around six in the evening. They'll have water or they may have um, a cup of tea or something throughout the day. Is that helping? Not as far as I can see, no. Um I think what what they're doing, that's not really a fast, that's avoiding food, and I, and I have some clients that have done that uh, themselves, but that's more of a more of a habitual thing. Uh, they just eat and don't eat lunches and skip lunches. I would sooner see snacks during the day, you know, whether whether it's a handful of nuts or whether it's a handful of dates or whether it's some a bit of fruit, a bit of cheese, a bit of something to keep those insulin levels more level, more constant. Uh, if, and then when they eat their supper, um, they're not as hungry when they eat their supper. They're probably not going to overeat at supper time due to semi-starvation during the day. Uh, and then, again, it gets all down to, to keeping those insulin levels more balanced and keeping the spikes out because uh, it's, it's, it's not good for your body to go without food for long periods. And that's not really a fast. That's avoiding food. So I don't recommend it. I would sooner see, again, uh, the, the nutrient-dense, smaller foods during the day. Um, and I think it's better for everybody to do that. Now, when you're doing a consult and when you are uh, directing people on, on how they should be eating, how do, you, how do you know that they are getting all of the nutrition they need throughout the day? Or how do you guide them so that they feel comfortable that they're getting the, the proper nutrition that they need through the day? Well, like I said from, from the start, uh, I'll do a three or four day food record. I get them to record uh, for three or four days what they eat. And then I'll take that and I'll analyze that. I'll take a look at it to see if they're super carb heavy. If they're, and I've got a computer analyzation program that I plug it in, and I can break it down to every every mineral and and uh, vitamin that they really have, their macronutrients, of course, their their carbs, fats, and their proteins to see where that balance is, and and to see where it's out, and then address where it's out, and and plug foods in, and so it, it's important to look at deficiencies, what they don't have, but it's also as important to look at excess to see what they have too much of. And so I have to take that, that diet record to have a look at it. That's, that's the raw data you need to base a direction on. Uh, it's okay to, to have a, it's basically a roadmap because it's great to know where you want to go. You want to lose 50 pounds by spring, that's fine. That's a, that's a good goal to have. But how do you do that? And so you have to do it to make changes 
And to make those changes, you have to know where you're starting from to get to where you want to go. And so uh, tear that diet apart, have a look at it. And there may be some things they're lacking in. They may be low in magnesium and, and they don't have much energy. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that go on with magnesium that's a problem. They may be low in, in vitamin D and, and this time of year. Uh, ample vitamin D is important for SAD and, and you know seasonal depression and the winter blues and that kind of stuff. So there's some mood disorder things there. So there's there's things that I have to look at in that diet to base their plan on. And then, then I can put together a meal plan for them and walk them through it and, and be a mentor more than an advisor uh, and provide lots and lots of information and recipes and, and all the help they need to make that successful for them. Do you try to get people to get all of their nutrients and their vitamins that they need through food or do you encourage them to supplement? It depends on the state they're in. Sometimes... Initially, a bit of supplement is needed to get them to a point where uh, where their health issue, whatever that is, is not a problem. Um, food is great, and especially if you eat nutrient-dense food. Our, our foods today, if you're, if you're eating uh, factory farm food, are lacking in, in nearly all nutrition because uh, nutrition for, for modern foods is really not on the radar. Uh, take a tomato, for example, that's, that's shipped in. They want that tomato to be nice and bright and red and last during shipping and last on the shelf. But unfortunately, nutrition is not even on their radar as far as what they want to create a tomato for. And so nutritionally, uh, that tomato doesn't do much for you. Uh, it may taste sort of like a tomato, but it's not an August tomato that we grow in the sun here. Uh, so, And the soil depletion with factory farming is is insane because there's minerals and vitamins in, in healthy soil that aren't there in soil grown in chemical fertilizers. It strips out all the nutrients in food. And so along with the things you are getting, which are these chemical fertilizers and, and GMOs, uh, you're not getting the nutrients you get from organically grown or at least organic practice farm, local farm that do a great job ethically in building soil and getting nutrients from your food that way. Uh, in organic food, all the nutrients are there as long as you get the quantity you need, including including meats, grass-fed meats, uh, you know, good farm-raised chicken, uh, wild fish. All those things are what we are what we evolved on. And so I tell my clients, basically, you need to go back 60, 70 years to get the good stuff uh, because that's when really we started to slide and get into this chemically fertilized, heavy factory farmed uh, corporate food uh, production system that we're in, and there's really not a lot of nutrition in that. So uh, to answer the question, you may need some supplement to start with, depending on the state you're in, uh, to get you back to a point where you're not so out of balance and deficient. And then, and then maybe your food will take care of it as long as you're eating good uh, locally grown or organic food if you can get your hands on it. Now, when you had your diagnosis and you started looking into how you were going to care for yourself properly, um, were there foods that you avoided or that you would recommend anyone who has cancer um, that they would completely stay away from? How would they alter their diet? Cancer is a complicated animal to deal with. Um, It'd be great to say that you can avoid certain foods and your cancer is going to go away, but there are some things that you that, that are carcinogenic, and they know they're carcinogenic. Um, any diet that's high in sugars and refined carbs, 
are more uh, more susceptible to developing cancer because uh, your body is out of balance in that respect. Nitrates from processed foods. They talk about processed foods. Uh, and it's due to the nitrates, not so much the meats themselves, although they can be problematic too. But nitrates cause a lot of problems in your body uh, with free radicals and and uh, particles around your body that uh, that that it has to deal with. And even the hydrocarbons from heavily charred uh, grilled meats are a problem. Uh, we all like a barbecue in the summer. That doesn't mean it has to be black and crispy. It can be just grilled. Um, but the hydrocarbons from those are things you want to avoid. Uh, even, even refined oils are problematic uh, because they are not what we are evolved to eat. And we've got to look at, again, go back to our, our hunter-gatherer selves to know what we should eat. Uh, because we haven't evolved as much in the 12,000 years uh, since we began, or they, they assume we began farming 12,000 years ago. But we, as, an, as, a, as a human, have not evolved to the point where we can tolerate our modern foods. And so you've got to get back to whatever, as close to whatever that was, whole foods, uh, refined, uh, avoid refined foods as much as possible. Uh, anything comes in a, in a box, powder, bucket, bag, kit, mix, you want to avoid all that stuff. And and make your own food as much as you can. Get back. I've always been in the kitchen, so that's not a push for me. But again, to get back to whole food, get it as close to home as you can. Uh, get it as whole as you can. Uh, you know, as real as possible. There are only there are only two things I look at when it comes to food: it's real or it's not. And then you want to trickle that down as to as to uh, how real it is, uh, how whole it is, and eat whole foods. Um, and again, saturated fat is, is your friend as far as I'm concerned because, uh, again, that's what, what our brains evolved on. That's what we, that's what we evolved on. So the foods to avoid are, are those other sugars, carbs, uh, you know, a lot of nitrates, uh, anything that's, that's refined at all. I, I avoid those things and then go with whole foods and as close to, close to home, uh, far, the farm as I can get. Now, when you're talking about refined oils, which oils would you prefer people have? Well, I'm, I'm a big saturated fat fan uh, because the refined oils that I refer to are sunflower, uh, safflower, uh, grapeseed, canola. Those oils are refined, heavily refined. Uh, to use canola oil, if you can get organic, you may be lucky enough to, uh, but canola oil is heavily, heavily refined. Uh, soybean oils and corn oils are two of the worst uh, and heavily uh, subsidized by the government to grow, and so they're in everything. They're, it's rampant, the amount of soybean oil and corn oil in products. And so that's what, you know, those two oils there are the worst because they're everywhere, and the other ones are lighter ones. But your body doesn't really deal with those well. Okay. Kevin, we're going to take another break, and we will be back on the other side with a few more questions. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
Visit Doreen's website at dmurphydoucette.com and click the radio tab to purchase your supplement and dosha questionnaire. It will allow you to know your body dosha and what supplements, vitamins, and minerals your body requires at any given time. You'll receive a report by email that gives you all of the required information. You'll learn which foods give you your required supplements, and you have the option to purchase your report in printed book form and have it mailed directly to you. Visit dmurphydoucette.com today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to your daily dose. If you have a question for Doreen Doucette or her guest today, feel free to call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Doreen's Daily Dose at gmail.com. Now, back to your daily dose. Okay, Kevin, um, we were talking about oil before we went to break, and I do have to ask you, because you didn't mention one oil that is is so extremely popular right now, and that's coconut oil. So what are your thoughts on this coconut oil and everyone who is using it for every single thing possible? Love it. Absolutely love it. It is heavily saturated. And again, I'm a big fan of saturated fats. Uh, Saturated fats are what we evolved on. Like I said, our, our, our brains haven't evolved so much in 12,000 years. They evolved to the size and shape they are uh, up till that point. But when we started to eat a carb-heavy diet, which is what farming is, uh, it, our, our brains really have not evolved past that point. So we evolved on saturated fat. Now, depending on where you were, uh, where coconuts grow, that's the fat of choice. Uh, were were the uh, most most of it was saturated fat from animal fats, but coconut is one that is not an animal fat. But it's heavily saturated, so it is zero cholesterol because fruits don't have any cholesterol, and so any cholesterol scares for uh, for coconut oil are are just fake and and, and put out there. Uh, coconut oil itself is is that saturated fat that your body needs. Uh, it's also a, a good energy fat because it doesn't doesn't work like other fats. It uh, goes directly to your liver and burns like a furnace, so it assists in energy and also weight loss because it's not it's not a fat that stores well. Uh, it's it's along with uh, along with butter, along with lard, along with uh, 
with any pork fat or beef fat or animal fat. One of, one of my go-to fats. I use it every day. And so it's it's really it's really specific as to what you use it for. Some people don't like the coconut flavor to fry their eggs in. You can get a slightly refined uh, coconut oil, which is not really chemically refined. Uh, a coconut oil that doesn't have any aroma and doesn't have any taste is simply processed at a higher temperature above 120, 30. So it's not a raw pressed coconut oil. It is a semi-refined coconut oil. And so you can use that uh, in places where you wouldn't use a full flavored coconut. But anything like a stir fry or any place you want to use a coconut flavored melted in a smoothie, that really is good for uh, for texture, it's good for flavor, it's good for, for energy, for everything else. So coconut is, is really one of my favorite oils. And we use it a lot also outside of internally. We use it topically as well. And so not just nutritionally. You can use it as a base for a lot of your, your uh, soaps, your creams, uh, your rubs and things like that. So coconut is is a not only perfectly safe it's an oil that we really need in our diet now um i think i heard you mention that you are studying in epigenetics recently or it's a new study of yours can you explain a little bit about that and what is epigenetics well epigenetics is i've I've been on to it for a few years because epigenetics itself is the Newest research in cancer, and I say new as in the last 10 years or so, has been a huge cancer focus. Um, epigenetics, well, we'll have to break it down into, into something that's a little easier to understand. If you, if you look at, at genes themselves, uh, genes control your DNA code, uh, which makes up our body. Now, you're, there's 20,000 genes in your body, which is basically, if you look at your body as a computer, that would be the hardware that runs your computer. But epigenetics would be the program that tells your hardware what to do. So epigenetics will tell your genes what to do, when to do it, what those results will be. And there's a lot of epigenetic factors that can affect cancer and everything else. But if you look at it directly in, in, in cancer-related uh, factors, uh, you know, what you eat, of course, is a big one, but where you live, your how you how your stress levels are, how your sleep levels are, your activity levels, even your thoughts and your and your energy and your focus can affect epigenetic factors. And these epigenetic factors can express when certain genes are turned on or off. And when it comes to cancer, these certain genes can be turned on or off from a normal cycle of cell birth, growth, and death, which they should do, into a cancer cell that never dies. And really, that's what a cancer is, is that a cell that should have died keeps going and regenerating. And they they can turn into tumors and and malignancies. So epigenetics really are the, the, the control system that controls how these are expressed. So when it comes to epigenetics and food, there's a few things that are really big that they have Come, come across in the past few years, and this is you know, the last couple, three years of research in epigenetics, and since they've been at it for a few years, they're starting to start to see that, that certain things like, uh, like folate, for instance, which is a B vitamin, and you'll find that in some fruits and vegetables. It makes cell repairs, uh, creates DNA, but it also, it also forms protein, blood cells, so it's really important in, in cell replication. Um, they've always told us to eat your broccoli and your kale and cruciferous vegetables, which is that family 
They help to protect uh, your cells from DNA damage. They do help to, to keep carcinogens from being a big problem. Uh, they're antiviral, antibacterial. Uh, they can also induce cell death, which it should do. Uh, so cruciferous vegetables are really important. Green tea has always been a buzzword as far as as far as being healthy because it's got an anti-cancer uh, activity uh, around it. They still they still dig into it and research that one, and it might help in in blocking cell replication. In other words, it can cause uh, it can cause cells to die uh, when they should, and then stop the growth of cancer. Uh, Riveratrol, which is another big one, which is uh, found in in grapes, red wine, the dark and purple berries, what you're going to notice, Riveratrol, and they're also anti-inflammatory and have anti-cancer effects. Omega-3 oils are another one that have that have uh, epigenetic um, processes, and they can reduce inflammation. and And uh, studies are showing that they're also a, they stop the spread of cancer and also the creation of blood the cells and blood vessels in your cancer cells. And so if you look at if you look at your cell structure in your body, you every cell in your body except for some in your gray matter in your brain, in the retina and in your eyes, most of your cells regenerate in five to seven years. And so if you can work in the epigenetic world with factors that control the DNA, which create what you are and your cells, in five to seven years if you have that time, you can also, you can almost be a whole new human body as long as you go at it the right way. And this is what the field of epigenetics is. It's it's very deep. It's very wide. It's fairly new, and so they're still learning their way around that one too. But it's fascinating stuff. Uh, epigenetics is is such a an interesting thing. It's something that most people don't know about, but it's also got so many things that you can change. And diet is one of the things you have complete control over within reason. Absolutely. Um, now, when you, when you were talking about this, you mentioned um, inflammation and specific things that are good for inflammation. What do you recommend that people do if they have chronic inflammation in their body? Well, chronic inflammation, and it's, it's hard to pin it down, but chronic inflammation mostly is, is uh, driven by a high-carb diet. And inflammation... Whether it's uh, whether it's driving your fibromyalgia, uh, inflammation is involved in heart disease. Uh, it's it's uh, blood pressure. Everything really is is driven by inflammation. And to control your inflammation, if you smack your your finger with a hammer, it turns red and hurts. Well, that's inflammation. But at the cellular level, uh, when chronic inflammation takes hold. Every cell in your body is really red, hurt, and swollen. And your body is just simply trying to repair things. And so these minute uh, inflammatory actions uh, are really being driven by by a high-sugar, uh, high-carb diet as opposed to other factors. And, and they've, they've really ruled out a lot of other factors. They're focusing more in, in the carb range and our carb-heavy diets. If you, if you look at the changes in our diets from the 70s, when the low-fat uh, low craze really came on board, that's when the big changes were made in our food guides. And, uh, and, the, and if you take out fat in food to make low-fat food, then you have to replace it with sugar and high carbs and then chemicals that taste like fat. And so all these artificial things, uh, they've, they've tracked it on graphs, and you can track our obesity epidemic, 
followed by diabetes and the metabolic syndrome, which is high blood pressure, uh, and five factors that, could, that are really problematic. And you can tie it right to the right to the low-fat uh, programs that were put in place and the anti-fat programs that were put in place. And so they're seeing that most of these conditions that we have today are driven by inflammation, which is, in, in far as research goes and for everyone I'm finding out, uh, carbs and sugars are a huge part of that problem. So the inflammatory process, the chronic inflammatory process you refer to, uh, if you take a change your diet to low carbs, higher in fat, uh, you'll see a lot less pain in people that have fibro and RA, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, just by making dietary changes and reducing the amount of carbs. And they've done these, they've done testing all over the world, whether they're actually doing uh, programs of low-carb, high-fat diets right here in the Annapolis Valley and seeing great results with it and reversing type 2 but diabetes, uh, obesity, uh, chronic inflammation issues by changing people over to that low-carb, high-fat diet. I think um, in the world we live in where there's so much stress, um, where we're on the go all the time, we're pushed to, to, be, to be busy at all times, and we're, we're so much into fast foods and so much into processed foods that it's easy, it's quick, and with us that are on the go all the time, it's just your grab-and-go food. Do you really think that um, it's it's easy for most of us to to switch over to eating nutritious foods to getting back into cooking and preparing our meals it's because it's it's because we're just so driven now i don't think it's easy at all and and it is because of we are go-go people and uh, it's just harder for some people than others it depends on on what they have to do uh in their lifestyle and lifestyle changes are important um to make the time to prepare your food. Sometimes you'll have to take a day on a weekend and do a week's preparation. Uh, so it takes a lot of time, and there's young families, and there's also budgetary restraints, and good food generally costs more than fast food and junk food. And so you, you can have a $5 salad or a 99-cent burger, and therein lies a lot of the problem too, but it's not easy for people to, uh, to make those changes. I try to make it as easy, easy as possible by providing the recipes and the mentoring and, and make it as easy as possible. I provide my clients with, uh, with good snack lists too. So instead of having to stop to pick up snacks or to, uh, or to make a lot of food, if you've got some, some really good solid uh, nutrient-dense based snack foods that are quick to put together, uh, that may get them over a hump too and, and to make it a little easier. So filling in the blanks, reduce as much as you can as far as the junk goes. Uh, I, always, I always say that if, you, if you're doing an 80-20 diet, uh, 80% as good as you can, you're probably doing better than the 80% around you because people do fall into that trap. And it's easy to, to buy, but then again, it's not quality food that you're buying for the most part. So my, my biggest job is to make it as easy as possible for people that need to make big changes. Those that need smaller changes are halfway there. They've made their mind up that this is what they want to do. And so, but the big changes and people that are, that are stuck in, in a go-go lifestyle, stress is a big, a big factor too. And it's also, like I said, it's an epigenetic factor too. And so stress will 
uh, wear you down after a while. It also affects your digestion. Uh, your digestion uh, is affected by stress, which causes uh, anxiety issues. So uh, you, you have you have you have two brains really. You have an enteric nervous system, which is your your gut brain, and then you have your central nervous system, and the two need to to uh, communicate all the time. And when you're stressed out, your your brain uh, doesn't get the signals from your from your gut, and your and your gut doesn't get your signals from your brain. So there's a problem there as well with stress. And so stress is a big one, and that's that's something that's harder to manage. Uh, that's outside of nutrition. That's really a lifestyle change, and some do it better than others. What are your feelings on um, the the gut related issues? That most illnesses actually start from the gut. Well, if you look back twenty five hundred years ago, um, Hippocrates said that all disease begins in the gut, and when you can look at your gut, 80% of your immune system resides in your gut. And so if you don't, if you don't feed your, your microbiota, your microbiome, as they call it, uh, which is your gut bacteria properly, and if you don't keep that gut in shape as far as that goes, then your immune system goes downhill as well. And when that goes downhill as well, then you develop a lot of a lot of the conditions that we see: seasonal allergies, um, allergic conditions, and there's a lot of allergies to everything these days. Um, gluten is a big problem when it comes to gut. I know that gluten is a big buzzword uh, when it comes to gut issues, um, but gluten is an issue uh, because we eat so many carbs, and the carbs that the eat are, are poor quality too. So. Um, so the gut itself, if you don't feed it with the right, uh, with the right foods and, and then fertilize that with prebiotic foods, uh, like fermented foods, sauerkraut and, and kombucha, uh, key for those kind of foods, uh, then, then the garden in your gut that needs to be fertilized and growing, uh, can't, can't really help your body to function well. Uh, your immune system doesn't function well, uh, you'll develop other digestive issues, whether it's in, inflammatory like IBS, um, or either that, or, or it, can, uh, it can really become problematic, and, and that's when chronic conditions start with, through, through inflammation, and that can develop in the gut, and so that can, that can go downhill in a hurry. What do you feel about all of the digestive enzymes that are being taken lately? Well, I think digestive enzymes, especially for older people, are helpful. And, and I, I have a lot of clients who use digestive enzymes uh, because as we age, uh, our enzyme processes aren't as good as they were when we were younger. And enzymes, a digestive enzyme is usually a complex enzyme that breaks down your carbs, your fats, and your proteins, among a few other things. And it just helps your body to your stomach to break down those things easier and eases up on your digestion. Now, everybody doesn't need to be on them. But on a heavy meal, sometimes they're really well. Uh, my wife does really well with uh, with one on her meals. Uh, and every once in a while, if I got something heavy, it's going to help break that down and make your digestion a lot easier. So it's just easier to uh, to have that food go through. Great. Well, Kevin, I think we could talk on this a lot longer, that's for sure. It was extremely interesting. I thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and for all of this beneficial information. I'm glad I could be here. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. 
For now, if you have any questions or comments for Kevin regarding um, all of his information on nutrition, you can send me an email at DoreensDailyDose at gmail.com. Now, for next week, I'll have essential oil specialist Jane Lawson on as a guest. And Jane is the principal of Natural Approach School and Therapies. And she's been a clinical aromatherapist for almost 30 years and a teacher for over 20 years. So should you have any questions that you would like answered regarding essential oils, you can send them again to DoreensDailyDose at gmail.com. For now, thank you for tuning in. I look forward to being back next week, and I wish everyone your best health. Thank you for joining us for your Daily Dose. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition with your host, Doreen Doucette. We'll see you then.